Hi, everybody, and welcome to another new edition of Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Mark. Hey, Mark. How are you today? Well, hey there, Sir Alan of the Roundtable. I'm doing good. It, I feel like uh, spring is in the air. I wouldn't say it's sprung, but it's springing. Yeah, it's yeah. in the process of springing. Yes. Uh, it's uh, warmer, and that's good, and less we like snow that. and slushy and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. But, but in all reality, it's still early February. Yeah. February. Yeah. I like to say it like I write it, which is awkward. So and you misspell it then. I often. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm worried that it could get cold again. Well, look, here here's the deal. In the in the heartland, the crossroads of America, we sure, live which in, we in, are. in Indianapolis, Indiana, mm, just two yeah. hours north of uh whatever that town is, Pawnee. Pawnee yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh the weather changes on a dime. That is true. We have the highs, we have the lows. So who who the hell knows what next week? One of is our favorite hold. sayings: If you don't like the weather, just wait five minutes. <laughs> Waggity maggity do. Yeah. yeah, that never ceases to entertain. It, it really doesn't. <laughs> just like this podcast, as a matter of fact. My God. <laughs> hey, I want to welcome our, our our new viewers, Mark. I, I don't know if you saw. I've been kind of looking at our stats. I don't look every week, but I happened to look this week and. Kind of based on our normal baseline, we've been crushing some numbers lately. And I noticed that, you know, our, our unique listeners is up. So I believe we've got new listeners. I just want to welcome them aboard. If you're kind of just catching up, if you're just hearing these for the first time, welcome. Yeah, yeah. I want to welcome our, our, our new uh, listeners. They're not viewers. We, we've had Correct. this discussion before. We yeah. like to call you viewers and we... We know. And we will. We know yes. you're not viewers. That That's, that's something yeah. we just say. Um, but yeah, I'd like to welcome. And, you know, we, we've we also, we really enjoy uh, hearing from our our listening viewers. Uh, so, like, we, we've gotten some great feedback, for example, on our, uh, the last thing we published was our tribute to Leslie and Ben. Our very first Pawnee short. Our very first Pawnee short. Uh, and so, you know, if we would encourage you, if you haven't listened, then go out and listen to our uh, tribute to Leslie. Actually, first go and listen to Leslie and Ben. Oh yeah, because our that, coverage know, of that episode, the, which the, we we dropped last week. That that's right. Yeah. That's right. And then listen to the tribute. But we would love to hear from people as far as uh, uh, any, any sitcom couples that have gotten yeah. together and you don't think negatively affected the show and maybe even made it better. I think that's a great question. I, I saw one of the pieces of feedback we've gotten. So I'm anxious to get a few more of those and maybe we'll do some of those, like maybe a mailbag episode or something yeah. like that. Yeah, oh, that's a great idea. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, I like it. And, and I'm looking forward to thinking about what our next Pawnee short, I know we're, we're kind of thinking through the list and we've got some topics we've been joking around about for a while now. And I think one of those might become a reality maybe as a Pawnee short. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that'd be good. I'm looking forward to maybe getting a little creative in that space. Nice. Yeah. I can't wait. Should be fun. Yeah. All right, folks. So we're here this week to talk about season five, episode 15, Correspondence Lunch. Yes. Yeah. Lunch away. Lunch away. This was a standard edition uh, with a runtime of 2132. We did not have a producer's cut. I want another producer's cut. I do too. I, we got a little bit spoiled a couple weeks ago. I know. Yeah. I know we did. But this episode did have some deleted scenes in lieu of the producer's cut. So we'll review those when we get to that segment of the show. Did you cover uh, Sir Alana of the Roundtable, as I know you usually do? Did you cover when this episode was aired? Originally? I did, as a matter of fact. I'm glad you asked. Thanks for the segue there, yeah. Mark. And not one of them, their scooters, the <laughs> failures. Uh, so February 21st, 2013. Does that date sound familiar to you? It does. I'm getting the deja vu. What, what is that? Deja vu. I love that. I get some of that sometimes when I have too much dairy. Mm. Um, no. So what happened was on the February 21st there back in 2013 they mm -hmm. did a double episode that week 
That's right. They did Leslie and Ben and Correspondence Lunch. So this is a, the, the second part of a doubleheader. This is the second part of a doubleheader. Yep. It basically filled in the slot that would have normally gone to the office. Second office. Yep. Sorry. In fact, if you look at the lineup from 2013, you know, this is NBC Thursday night. It was a big deal for many years. Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Here in 2013, though, the fans are getting a little antsy about the lineup. If mm. you go read reviews, you can see it. It's not just parks. It, it includes the office. It includes community. So the lineup was 8 o'clock community, mm. 8.30, Parks and Rec. So mm -hmm. community was the lead in to Parks and Rec. And generally, you would have seen like the ratings and the shares for community be pretty good. Mm -hmm. But they would go up for Parks and Rec. And then by design at 9 o'clock, You'd have the office. Mm -hmm. They would go up even farther. Mm -hmm. And then they put in some crap at 930 that usually didn't last more than a year. And they'd plummet. And then 10 o'clock was a grab back. I remember that. Yeah. So this week, like I said, the, the Parks and Rec did a double header instead of the office. But the 930 slot at that time was going to a show called 1600 Pen, which was about some family living in the White House. You know, not to be confused with better shows like, uh, you know, uh, The West Wing or Veep. But uh, it only lasted a year. And I, I don't remember much about it, quite honestly. I don't either. Yeah. Huh. And then you either saw in that slot um, at 10 o'clock was repeats of Law and Victims. Uh, <laughs> Law and Victims. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many of them. It's not my fault. Law and Order uh, SUV. You know, one of the cars. They drive the big cars. Stop it. No, you mean SVU. Oh, SVU. Yeah. I always get that confused. Yeah. Special um, people that drive SUVs. That, that's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> I was a fan of the original Law and Order, but after that, I not so much. That. I liked uh, Criminal Intent. I liked SVU. Yeah. I like a lot. Of, I like letters is what it comes down to. I, I liked them too. Yeah. So, yeah. But the interesting stuff to think, kind of look back 10 years ago. Yep. Yep, I agree. Community, I, another good show. Another great show. Yeah. Absolutely. We've got some podcast friends who cover that show well. And uh, I know that Community is actually considering, I think it's a real thing. Now, Dan Harmon's announced they're going to be making a movie. No, they're not. No, that's real. I don't. You're looking at me, Ernest, and I don't know if I believe you. Is that true? No, I thought we talked about this off air. No, you need to go out and check this out. It's going to happen. And it gave me some hope that we might actually get something for Parks and Rec, which when we saw Aubrey and Amy on Saturday Night Live, we talked about yeah, that a little that bit last fun. week as yep, well. Yep. So we'll see what happens with Parks and Rec. But um, looking forward to the community movie. Well, all right. We've come full circle. We have come full circle. Mark, I'll wrap up by saying that this week's episode was directed by Nick Offerman. His very first directing gig. Nice. The first of two he ultimately does for Parks and Rec. And then was written by Alexander Rushfield. We've seen some of her work before and other, um, I think she has done, uh, her other episode was also a season five episode of 5.8 Pawnee Commons. Mm. So, and then, but you'll, you see her work with a show called Help Me Help You uh, in the Motherhood, Shrill with, with A.D. Bryant from Saturday Night Live, of course, yep. and then uh, Santa Incorporated. So um, looking forward to, to covering today's show. Yeah, me too. All right. Well, Mark, why don't you get us into our synopsises? Very good. Thank you for using the proper uh, English. I practiced the, all week yeah. just for you. Well, it's, you know, it, it pays off. I can tell it's, it, <laughs> you're, you're, you're just, you're trying your hardest and I appreciate it. Always. Oh, <laughs> all right. So I, um, I, uh, I split this sucker up into three stories. Oh, oh no. Yeah. Our soundboard's still down. So I'll just have to manually do that. Oh, so we need to get Harvey back in here. Yeah. The yeah. judges said four. 
the judges said four. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it. Then I'm uh, in trouble. But uh, I'll say the one that I have, and then I will get uh, ch chastised appropriately That's when fair. I'm done. So yeah. here is the ones that I had. I yeah. had uh, my A story, uh, as entitled, <clears throat> uh, Kenny Rogers isn't the only one who has roasters. <laughs> I like it. Remember that old place that you could go to eat, the Kenny Rogers? Not you. Well, Actually, it's funny. <laughs> a little bit of a. Oh, you're going to keep derailing me all day. I can see how it's going to be because of the way my brain's working today. Could be. Could be. I can't. Uh, can't promise. You know, yeah. I, I do that vegetarian thing mostly. <laughs> bit of a pescatarian. Oh no, that's even worse. Oh no, it's better. Boston Market, Kenny Rogers Roasters, the great chicken roast rotisserie craze of the uh, you know the 2000s. There, that's actually what caused me to become a vegetarian. That's all I'll say on air. Really? Yeah. That's it. Oh. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Makes me. But enjoy your chicken. That makes me sad because I have such a great memory. Of that. Anyway, yeah. so sorry. So yeah, Kenny Rogers isn't the only one who has roasters. Love it. Back from her Hawaiian honeymoon with Ben, Leslie prepares for her upcoming speech at the Pawnee, the Pawnee Correspondence Lunch, where every year the government and media get together to roast each other. And Leslie is determined to give it to the Pawnee Sun tabloid with both barrels. Haha. <laughs> at the luncheon, Leslie confronts Pawnee Sun reporter Kim Turlando. I hear. Yeah, it's just some sun she's sun. even worse than the tweet. Oh, and 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 she and she boasts. Leslie boasts to Kim Turlando about how she's going to kick ass and take names with her speech. Kim is called up on stage ahead of Leslie, and when she gives her speech, it becomes clear that she somehow stole all of Leslie's jokes, leaving Leslie with nothing to present. Uh oh. Uh, how, what, what will happen? How did Kim Turlando get hold of Leslie's notes? Can Leslie get her revenge on Kim Turlando? Were Leslie's stolen jokes at least funny? <laughs> Stay tuned to find out, dot, dot, dot. Nice. Yeah. Well, we definitely agree on the A story. Yay. So my theme this week, you know, I've done like movies so often. Yeah, movies. Yeah. You like movies? I did them again, but I did it totally <laughs> different this time. So Mark- so Different movies. Okay, you, go. No. Well, yes, technically. But you first, you need to put yourself in the, in the moment, right? Uh-huh. The moment is we're watching the Oscars. Uh -huh. And these are the international feature film nominees as read by the house announcer of the Oscars. Uh-huh. All right, you ready? Yeah. So, so, <laughs> so the A story. France, Le Dejeuner Sabaté, the sabotage launch. This made my stomach hurt. I don't know what happened there. I, I mean, I liked it. <laughs> yeah, I, I've got more. I get three more. Oh, good. Um, so, uh, um, Try to hold, withhold your enthusiasm, please. No, it's wonderful. Um, so my B story is uh, entitled, oh, this is a horrible title. Sometimes I write things I don't remember. Yeah, it my, was Constantine's fault. My kingdom for some semen. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to air. Uh, I, I think that that's a legit science word. So I think it's we're a okay. science word. Uh, so I think we're okay. Censors? Nope, we're good. That's all right. So <clears throat> it's not good, but we're good. It's acceptable. It's acceptable. So still on her quest to have a baby, Anne has chosen Chris who just broke up with Shauna Mulway Tweep mm. a week ago, as her potential sperm donor. Unfortunately, Chris does not yet know this as she as Anne is struggling to gain the courage to speak to him about it. After avoiding several interactions with him at City Hall and uh, venting to Ron somewhat about her insecurities, Anne once again tries to summon the nerve to talk to Chris at the correspondence luncheon. However, she becomes intimidated when she not only sees Shauna Mulway Tweep, 
present at the luncheon, but witnesses Shauna Mulway Tweep and Chris engaging in pleasant small talk, blah, blah, blah. And that causes her to continue to be insecure and vent to Ron. Oh, yeah. How will this turn out? Is Shauna Mulway Tweep a genuine concern to Anne or just a minor annoyance? How does Ron handle Anne constantly venting to him? <laughs> will Anne ever summon the courage to ask Chris to be her baby daddy? Stick around, podcast viewers. All will be revealed, dot, dot, dot. Very nice. Yeah. We also agreed on the B story. Yay. I think we probably, I split your C story into two is what happened. Mm. Yeah. So anyway, before we move on with the, the here, the sperm storyline. Uh, <laughs> so so th- this international feature film at uh-huh. the Oscars is from Italy. Lo sperma perfetto. The perfect sperm. That's that's these sound like, like documentaries to me. They're just wonderful. I, I they're so good. I have to like think on them for a while. I want to go watch them. I <laughs> leave that right there. Thank um, you. <clears throat> no, that's you're smart. You're that's very good. Yeah. Um. So here's my C story. Wow. Don't be condescending at all. No, I, I couldn't come up with those. I couldn't do the low vote of pomme de piff and whatever <laughs> you said. So anyway, here's my C story. All right. Uh, so well, this might be where we get in trouble So yeah. because of the stores. So mine is called uh, Sweetums. If you can't beat them, pick a charity. <laughs> all right. I like how you set it up and then you, you zagged when we thought you were going to zig. Yeah, almost zogged. You almost zogged. Yeah. Back from his Hawaiian honeymoon with Leslie... Ben begins his new job as president of the Sweetums Foundation. Jessica Wicks gives Ben his first assignment, pick a charity for the company to fund. Unfortunately, she only gives Ben a day to do so, and there are hundreds of charity applications to Mm. sift through. Desperate for help, he recruits Tom, April, and Andy to help him out. April encourages Andy to do this with them, as Andy's been kind of depressed lately after failing to become uh, a cop. The, the team generates mixed results. Tom just cares about the Sweetums' fancy lunches and luxurious perks, and, and April, true to her nature, doesn't care a whole lot about charity or uh, helping out Ben. Andy, however, gives it his best try and actually picks out an interesting after-school music program for at-risk children. Ben is impressed by Andy's choice and likes the idea, but is still considering other choices as well. What will happen? What does Ben end up choosing as Sweetums' first charity? Will Andy ever snap out of his depression? Are there any donations to Tommy's Tummy Foundation? <laughs> Hang in there, true believers. Only time will tell, dot, dot, dot. Nice job, Mark. Yeah, that's indeed what we did do. I, I split that into two. My, my C story was the Ben story. My D story was the Andy story. I felt like it kind of stood on its own. But oh, I, I see why see you that. I can yeah. see that, yeah. And in fact, I expected you to go four this week, so I kind of tried to meet you there. But, uh, you know, all great plans. Shows you, know? you. Yeah. So anyway, uh, finishing up, you know, and these, by the way, these were inspired because of our return of Martin Housley. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of what put made me think of these. So anyway, the C story, uh, you know, the the, the foundation is from Spain. Una causa digna, a worthy cause. Wow. Yeah. I'd watch that. Yeah, I'd watch that. Yeah. And then finally, from the great Ukraine. No, Alan, Ukraine. I don't have time. (laughs) Wow. Kind of a a Ukraine joke. Go ahead. Yeah, this one is called. (laughs) Velekia Depressia, oh. the Great Depression. Oh. By the way, the working title of that was uh, uh, Dobisa Tobi Rosia, which means f*** you, Russia. 
Well, <clears throat> we may have to get some beeps uh, from the editing department. Um, We've got those on order. I hope they come in time for us to air the podcast. That is a marvelous a series of, of things yeah. you did. Um, no, actually, that that's very, very good. Now, we didn't get political. I just want to make that point. Ukraine did. I, that was their choice, not ours. <laughs> yes, I, I suppose that's true. And so sorry for the Ukraine joke. Yeah, it just it's right there. So it's right you, there. I, you kind of got to do it's it. It's what you call low hanging fruit. That's <laughs> that's really my specialty. Speaking of which, Mark, what'd you get for your AKA? And then we'll actually get into the show. Oh, thank God. OK, the, the AKA. So, you know, we're going to do one AKA call on account. It takes too long to explain yeah. it. So one AKA, damn it. So here's mine. Leslie. Oh, yeah. This is during the correspondence lunch. And she's so distracted by because on account of Tim, uh, Kim Turlando. Yeah. I uh, almost called her Tim. <laughs> Kim Turlando stole her <laughs> jokes and she's not watching what she's doing. And she had actually constructed a real physical can of whoop, whoop ass. ass. And she's not paying attention. She's not paying attention. She kind of reached over to, to pop the, the, the tab on her drink. And she just realized and announces, oh, my God, I just opened a can of whoop ass on myself, which I thought was kind of funny. <laughs> what you got? This is a funny moment. There are quite a few funny moments. There are. Um, <clears throat> mine is uh, when they're brainstorming. In fact, you know, she's lost her jokes mm -hmm. to Kim Turlando uh, or, or Tim Curlando, no, depending no, on no. how you want to do it. No, 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 right, right. <laughs> she's lost her jokes and she's everyone's brainstorming. Yeah. And Anne tries really hard and fails. And, and she's Leslie, so pretty. She Anne says, oh, Anne, you're too beautiful to be funny, <laughs> which, again, kind of pairs with the next line, which is my second choice. The rest of you ugly nerds need to give me some joke stat. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh. Well, nice job, Mark. Uh, hey, you know what? Let's not waste any more time. Let's get into the breakdown. Thank goodness. I thought this was never going to happen. Okay. So <laughs> we have our cold open. and I'm You like, and our one viewer. <laughs> we have our cold open. And I might add, for the first time in quite a while, I would argue that this is a non-plot relevant cold open. Totally agree. And uh, yeah. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. And uh, so we start out at City Hall in the bullpen, and it looks like Leslie and Ben have just gotten back from their Hawaiian honeymoon, and they're telling the gang all about it. So, hey, Constantine, my lad, yes, uh, start us off right, press the button. Well, the honeymoon was amazing. We saw the bus stop where young Barack Obama used to sit and wait for the bus, theoretically. That's possible. Then we went and visited Honolulu City Hall. <gasps> Shut up. I know. Oh my god, what was it like? It was amazing. Well, it looked amazing, but it was closed. Oh my god, bummer. Okay, I have presents. Wow. Um, Chris, we got you an acai tree because the acai berry is a superfood. And a super gift. Donna, we got you some coffee because you said, and I quote, I like my coffee like I like my man, dark, rich, and full-bodied. Yes, indeed. And we got you some very rare Hawaiian fertility tea, guaranteed nice. to help you have a baby. That's so nice. Where'd you find that? Well, the busboy at our restaurant um, told us about a guy who we oh. met in a parking lot, oh. and then he had a backpack full of huh. this stuff, oh. and I'm just realizing now that it's not tea, and I'm going to throw it away. Ron, this is the Hawaiian god of <laughs> anger. It reminded us of you when you're at work. A handsome gentleman. Oh, we so did not good. get Jerry. Like right, we right, got right. Jerry some earbuds and a bag of peanuts and SkyMall catalog. Same thing you got me from your trip to Washington. <laughs> Tom, we got you an autographed portrait of your personal hero. No way! Scott Cobb from Hawaii 5 -0. April, as requested, we threw that box you gave us into that volcano. Thank you. Andy, as you requested, got you a three-pack of white t-shirts from Target. Thank you. All mine are dirty. Thank you, Hawaii. 
<laughs> oh, that's good. Well, Mark, all I can say is thank God for Hawaii and thank God for Haynes. Gentlemen prefer Haynes. That's how the commercial goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's an oldie. That was a really good, shut up. That was a really good cold open. Uh, like that, that's one of the best cold opens I think they've had in a while. I think especially since it was non-plot relevant, it's just mostly jokes and right. kind of written for the personality of each person pretty well. Right. Yes. Yeah. I, I love the Ron Swanson mask. Oh my gosh. Like I would have never on. believed it. Yeah. A handsome man. And it's like, it's like a mirror. <laughs> it just looks like. Yeah. And then of course they're in the silence when, when, uh, what was it? Leslie throws away. I'm Cause Leslie the realizes <laughs> the guy that got her the thing in the parking lot of the yeah. backpack, like that's not tea. And she yeah. throws it away and you see yeah. April and Andy like, Hey, we got to go over there. Get we got to go get that. Yeah. Get We're gonna He's like, we'll get it later. Yeah. They're making plans for sure. That's true. Well, Mark, we open up our main episode in the conference room where Leslie is preparing to melt some phases off of the members of a certain newspaper using her razor sharp wit as her weapon of choice. I guess she must have left the actual burning coals in Hawaii. Look, I've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark. I know how that it can looks. happen. It absolutely can yeah, happen. More often than you think. So uh, I think it's this is a little bit later that same day, I want to say. And they're in a city hall conference room and we see Leslie preparing for the Pawnee Correspondence Lunch by practicing her speech, or I should say her roast, uh, in front of the gang. So apparently the Correspondence Lunch is a yearly tradition where the media and government get together to roast each other, and Leslie is certainly getting into it. And she's aiming to, like, really give it to the Pawnee son as a little payback for how many times they've raked her over the coals. And Leslie's jokes are pretty good, and the, the gang is responding positively. But, you know, Leslie, she can never be too prepared, right? And she asks the gang to help her come up with even more jokes. I, I, they're actually pretty good jokes. They are. And we do get to hear a few of them read by Kim later. Right. But, but one of them was, you know, some people say that the Pawnee Sun is a useless tabloid. No. But I don't think it's useless. Nope. I think it's great for housebreaking puppies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're dad jokes, but they're pretty funny. I love those. Well, of course you do. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mark, from there, we move into the halls at City Hall and Ann spots Chris and mostly avoids a potentially awkward moment as she ducks into her bestie's office to avoid him. I'm speaking, of course, of Ron. That's not that's not her bestie. <laughs> no? I checked. no huh, you got it all wrong, Buster. Yeah. So still at City Hall, we see uh, Ann walking in the hallway and all of a sudden she looks up and she sees Chris approaching her from the opposite direction. And to to avoid him, she ducks into Ron's office, not her bestie, which just happens to be right there. And Ron looks up and is surprised and a little annoyed to see uh, Anne enter because he clearly wasn't expecting her. And then Anne tells us via talking head that Chris broke up with Shauna Malway Tweep a week ago. And Anne has decided to ask Chris to be the father of her baby, but she just can't work up the nerve to do it. So while she's there, you know, invading Ron's privacy, uh, Anne asks Ron for advice on being blunt and honest, which, let's be honest, that's the one thing he's qualified to, yeah, to, to give advice on. So he, he asks her for specifics, like, what, what the hell are you talking about there, uh, Hanson, or Anne? Uh, <laughs> and, and Anne decides to use the unfortunate uh, metaphor of, uh, you know, she needs to ask a friend to uh, plant ficuses in her front yard. <laughs> Grossest <laughs> metaphor. Ever. <laughs> I love it. Ron goes, well, I've seen your house. You, you'd have more success if you planted ficuses in your backyard. No, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> National Geographic says no. <laughs> no, that's true. 
And then he says, well, why don't you do it yourself? And she says, I wish that were possible. If only. If only. Yeah. She needs a dude, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, while Ron tries to understand the conversation he just had, we bounce over to Sweetums, where Ben is introduced to the many perks of working for the brand new Sweetums Foundation. Yeah, we now go to what this may very well be a new building they created so. for this. I'm not really sure, yeah. but so I'm going to assume it is that we go to the the new Sweetums Foundation building where we see Ben starting his new job as president of the Sweetums Foundation, being escorted to his fancy new office by Ms. Jessica Wicks, former Miss Pawnee and widow of Nick Newport Sr. Aside from the various um portraits of naked people hanging on the wall <laughs> as as there will occur from time to time. Sure. Ben's office is very, very nice, and we have a positive start to his first day, at least until Jessica tells Ben that Sweetums' public image is at an all-time low, so she needs him to select the Sweetums Foundation's first charity, dot, 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 by tomorrow, and there are a lot to choose from. I love how he says that basically, you know, his his office has more mahogany wood than currently remains in the Amazon rainforest. So, win-win? I guess, except for the rainforest. rainforest they, yeah. They lose. yeah, what are they going to do? Kind of they get those cafes, though. They'll be fine. Yeah, that's fine. Well, Mark, at the correspondence lunch, the food and the bad jokes are both being served, and Anne is looking for a quick private moment with Chris when we run into the second most annoying reporter in the room. Oh, you aren't just whistling Dixie there. We now cut to the correspondence lunch already in progress. Or actually, it's just starting. Uh, This year, it's (laughs) taking place, Alan, at the often imitated but never duplicated. Well, okay, it's often duplicated. uh, (laughs) Pawnee Super Sweets. And we now see the luncheon has started, and we have famous Pawnee MC Martin Housley at the microphone, making uh, introductions and and starting things off. And then off to one side, we see Leslie kind of, I would say, squaring off with her nemesis du jour. See, I know French. From the Pawnee Sun, Kim Turlando. We, we hate that we Kim Turlando. Yeah. I swear to do. Mm. I don't like Tim Curlando either. All of them. Just <laughs> go right to... Anyway, so Leslie is confident, and she's full of bravado, and she's ready to open a can of whoop-ass on Kim, both figuratively and literally, as we mentioned before. And Kim just seems to, like, okay, politely shrug it off. Like, it doesn't really phase her. Like, oh, that's weird. We then cut to a table where Anne, Chris, Ron, and Donna are having food served to them. Anne tries talking to Chris about um, planting planting ficuses, uh, <laughs> but but before she can, Chris is distracted first by receiving the uh, meat option instead of veggie option. Ellen, you you know how that is. Yeah. And then second, by the presence of recent ex-girlfriend Shauna Malway Tweep, who, as it turns out, is sitting right behind Chris and received the veggie option instead of the meat option. Mark, you know how that is. Oh, that that is a nightmare, my friend. It's horrible. I don't even want to talk yeah. about it. But anyway, I'm sorry, but you seem to have f- f- serve me the food that my food eats. Exactly. Yeah. Is a gerbil marrying a rabbit? Um. <laughs> so anyway, Chris and Shauna exchange pleasantries and then exchange meals, which makes Anne a little hesitant to bring up ficuses. Yeah. Maybe now is not the moment. No. Yeah. No. The gardening vibe is gone <laughs> for the moment. Anyway. Yeah. Well, meanwhile, back at the foundation, Ben is feeling a little overwhelmed and trying to find just the right charity, and he has called in the troops for support. And it seems like Andy could use a little extra support of his own. Yep, yep, you are exactly right. So yeah, back at Ben's office, we see Ben attempt to recruit Tom, April, and Andy into helping him choose the Sweetums Foundation's first charity. And at first, it doesn't seem to be going real well. Really? With that brain trust? I know. Believe it or 
don't. Um, so Tom is more into how fancy Ben's office is than anything else and all the, the luxury stuff there. Sounds like Tom. It sounds like Tom. April came to Ben's office just so she could say no to his face because she's twisted like that. Yep. It sounds like April. And Andy is still apparently hip deep in the depression pool, still bummed out about not becoming a cop. However, April senses wisely that perhaps focusing on this task could help Andy out of the doldrums. So she, I think, pretends to be more excited than she actually is. And she kind of encourages Andy to be excited as well. And after Ben offers a, a generous donation to Tommy's Tummy Foundation, uh, <laughs> his lunch, uh, Tom agrees to help as well. I like it. You know, Mark, I'm going to bring the room down for a moment okay. uh, and talk oh, yeah. a little bit serious here. Yeah, go yeah, ahead. Yeah. The, the, the mic is yours. Well, you know, Andy mentions these things he's feeling, right? Life oh, yeah. is pointless. Nothing matters. Yeah. He's always tired. He can't sleep. He's overeating. None of his old hobbies interest him. Yeah. I mean, it's truly clinical depression he's describing. It's precisely. Yeah. It really it's is. textbook. It is textbook. Yeah. So for any of those out there who've suffered through that, um, you know, talk to a friend. Yes. Get absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But it was still funny. I mean. It's a comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Depression can be a little funny in the right light. I think especially, you know, if you're in that funk, maybe looking at it through that lens might help you get out of it. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not an expert here. Talk, talk to your expert at home. So <laughs> we now bounce back over to the luncheon and Leslie's provocateur from the Pawnee Sun takes the stage first and her material sounds suspiciously familiar. And in the words of the Beastie Boys, listen, all y'all, it's a sabotage. I couldn't have said it better myself. No, neither could I, apparently. Excellent. So, yeah, that there uh, provocateur, uh, Kim Turlando, yeah. uh, uh, Martin Housley, the MC, introduces her and, and she goes up to the microphone. And I think Leslie's probably ready to sneer at her like, uh, the, yeah. your, your set's not going to be nearly as good yeah. as mine, by God. But instead, Leslie starts to panic as she listens to uh, Kim's material and realizes in horror that Kim has somehow stolen her speech and is telling her jokes. Um, so the good news here, Alan, is Leslie's jokes are apparently killing the audience. They're like, great jokes. Even Jerry is laughing. <laughs> makes Leslie a little angry. Uh, yes. The bad news, Leslie has to now scramble to figure out what the hell she's going to even do for her turn at the mic. She's like, I'm dead. I'm dead. What am I going to do? Well, you know, it's funny. I think the first joke, you can kind of see it in Leslie's face. She thinks it's just a coincidence. Right. Yeah. But by the second joke. She knows the jigs up, right? And the interesting thing was, you know, Leslie's jokes were aimed at the Pawnee Sun. So now Kim seems even more like a, she's a, self deprecating. A, a good sport. Yeah. She's self deprecating. Yeah. Who doesn't like that? Everyone loves that. Oh, I hate her. Yeah. I hate her too. This is where well, my AK came from as well. It was, yes. Well, and there's that moment where you see Kim kind of glare at Leslie. Yeah. Like, like you know. Gotcha. Yep. Yeah. It's see a little of a Joan gotcha. Kind of. <laughs> well, after a quick break, Leslie huddles the gang to find out who among them ruined her perfect plan to verbally destroy the Pawnee Sun. That's right. So after the uh, the, the Turlando effect, um, we we now see uh, Councilman Milton at the mic. He's always good. For He's a great. You know that. Yeah. Um, that he green kills. that green tie. Oh, forget it. Um. So yeah. Um. Hey, Constantine, play this clip, sir. Thank you. I remember the very first correspondence lunch. I rode here in a horse and buggy. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, that wasn't a joke. I actually did. <laughs> that also was not a joke. Well, Kim <laughs> told all my jokes. All of them. She must have gotten a copy of my speech. Did anybody lose their copy? Nope. Right here. Mine's right here. That's usually when I'm having dinner. 
Oh, jeez. Oh, Go stand in the corner and think about what you've done. But no dessert. I need new material, and it needs to be great, and it needs to knock people on their butts, and it needs to transcend the genre of roast comedy. Perkins, go. Oh, wow. Um, oh. Okay, so, <laughs> Councilman Milton is old, right? Yeah. <laughs> and he's wearing a green tie, so, like, maybe there's something there where, like, he went to school with his high school buddies that were dinosaurs, and his tie's green, and they're green. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're too beautiful to be funny. It's not your fault. You've never had to compensate for anything. The rest of you ugly nerds need to give me some joke stats. <laughs> There's my AKA. So one of them. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> Two things of note that were kind of visual. Jerry is embarrassed that he apparently lost Leslie's uh, yeah. speech. And so he slinks off to the corner. Oh, yeah. And Leslie has given him instructions as you do to your kid when you're punishing him. You go to the corner and no, no dessert for you. So he goes to the corner and then the waitress comes up, offers him and you kind of see him like, no, no, I, can't, I can't. I can't have any. That's not in the rules, <laughs> which is just that just cracked me the hell up. Um and the rest of it, the the other one is uh, where, you know, she said, oh, Anne, you're so beautiful. Leslie Ann compliment, you know, yep. and, and you never had to compensate to so the rest of you ugly nerds. And you see Chris's face. Toink. <laughs> <laughs> he is getting good at those he mugs really to is. the camera. <laughs> As Jerry walked off with his head down. It reminded me of that Arrested Development episode where they all throughout the episode, they play the Charlie Brown dun, theme. Dun, dun, yeah. Dun, dun. <laughs> like sad Snoopy doghouse yeah, looking. Snoopy, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the great Vince Giraldi. Yo. So we'll mark back at the foundation. Despite his funk, Andy finds a worthy cause to consider. And Tom may be an undercover agent of a certain hate group. <laughs> just saying, just maybe. I mean, <laughs> anything impossible. So yeah, we're, we're, we're back at Ben's office and we see the gang busy at work. Although admittedly, I think Tom is working harder on lunch than, uh, yeah. than anything else. Is he taking pictures of it too? <laughs> you know what? That's the one thing that we're missing out of this. I scene. think so. I think you're right. Yeah. Andy calls out to get Ben's attention and he's actually somewhat excited about a charity he found called the Redwood music program. Yeah. And it's an after school music class for at risk kids. And, Ben is impressed, and I think he likes the idea just fine, but he wants to continue looking for other possible candidates as well. Yeah. Well, and of course, uh, what I was talking about there, you know. Oh. <laughs> I think Tom felt pressure to come up with anything because well, he clearly Andy, wasn't trying. Andy had something. A right. Ben asked Tom, and yeah. I think he just like reached down and went, He oh, picked here, the here, first one off the pile. Here's a piece of paper. Yeah, this yeah. is my pick. This piece of paper I randomly picked up. Right, which happened to be the Clean Sheet Foundation. Yeah. <laughs> which Ben then describes as, oh, yeah, they provide legal assistance to the KKK. Is this your pick? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, can you pass the bonbons? <laughs> so, yeah, I don't think he's taking this seriously. He really is not. Yeah. Well, Mark, as the luncheon continues, Joan takes some pot shots at Purd and Anne confesses to Ron about ficus gate. Yeah, Joan Calamazzo at the mic doing relatively well with yeah. her purred happily impersonation. Very nice. Everybody's laughing. And so then we cut to Anne standing next to Ron, her bestie, and venting to him about how bothered she is. She's bothered by Chris and Shauna continuing to talk to each other, the sluts, uh, at this <laughs> event. And then Ron is rather nonplussed, as Swansons tend to be, yep. uh, until Anne finally admits to him, like, okay. All right, there are no ficuses. Uh, I, I want to ask Chris to be the father of my baby. And this causes Ron to go from nonplussed to mildly repulsed at Anne's prior choice of ficus <laughs> metaphor. And then finally, in, Swan, in Swanson nature, he walks off 
not wanting to uh, get involved. He, he, he more than walks off Mark. He goes, it's, it's been nice talking to you. And he, he almost saunters off. Yeah. Yeah. Like a little, little kick in his step. Yeah. Like he's really wanting to avoid that conversation. Oh, like, like the plague. <laughs> well, with her speech totally ruined, Leslie is finally called to the stage and has to improvise instead. Overprepared Leslie is good at improv, right, Mark? Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, yes, and uh, here's how the scene will go. <laughs> oh, good. Um, Leslie is continuing to panic, and she's now asking those around her for any jokes or perhaps ideas for impression. <laughs> I mean, that, seriously, Alan, what what does Nev Campbell sound like? No, no one no, knows. No one knows. I don't even know if she talks. Anyway, <laughs> the good news is Donna manages to give Leslie some mildly useful advice, which is to keep it short yeah. and get the hell out of there. I mean, good advice. Not bad. Yeah. The bad news, Leslie is unable to put anything together before Joan calls her up to the mic. Joan, gotcha. And then so Leslie goes up to the mic and essentially like stands there in awkward silence, mumbling odd word choices for maybe 15 <laughs> to 20 seconds. Borat. And then then before she finally says uh, goodbye and she leaves the stage to, I think, like maybe mild, confused, polite, scattered applause. Like no one knows what in the hell had just happened. She bombed. Did you catch her her Jeremy Jam moment? As she's exiting the stage, she goes, uh, she makes an excuse. She goes, well, that's my time. They're giving me the light. So um, I, I did great. And then she goes off the stage. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my God, that's so jam. Yeah. H history will tell. History will tell. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> well, back at the foundation, it seems that Tom is a little more interested in smoothies than he is picking the right charity. But it seems like Ben might have a choice of his own. Yeah, yeah. At this point, it looks like Ben has gone over all the candidates for the Sweetums Foundation's first charity and announces to the gang that he thinks they have a winner. The charity is going to be called, uh, it was, the charity they're going to pick is called Rural Ambucare. And they, and the, the purpose of it is they buy an ambulance for people who uh, live far away from the hospital. That sounds great. Although it is a decent, reasonable choice, Andy, unfortunately, I think, interprets this as yet another rejection. Uh, this time a rejection of his charity that he chose. Um, and he stands up and he stammers about how hot and sweaty it is in there. And then he heads out to the car. Um, <laughs> Tom grabs some trays of remaining food, says, great job, team. And then he leaves as well. Yeah, he's more interested in the food. Um, April just glares at Ben, who I don't think understands what's happening at first until April yells slash explains to him that ever since Andy failed the police exam, he's been really depressed. Picking out a dumb charity is probably the most excited he's been in weeks. And April then calls Ben selfish, which is maybe a little overboard, and then leaves his office. I liked how Tom made his escape. He he pretended to be disappointed in, in Ben's choice as well and says, <laughs> well, I'm sure that the doctors or drafts or whatever you decided <laughs> to help will be thrilled with the whatever you decided to whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it kind of trails off. He's not even really yeah, trying. It's whatever with point. whatever. Yeah. Give me some oysters. I'm out. Although that sounds like a Monday to me. So yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do? Wow. Well, at the luncheon, Anne almost gets up the nerve to finally ask Chris what she needs to ask him. Almost. Yeah. Uh, we, we see Chris standing next to Pert happily, and we see Anne walk up to Chris, uh, apparently having uh, gathered up her courage at least a little bit. Um, hey, Constantine, press the button, sir. Play the clip. Chris Topher. It's like your furry toes. <laughs> Hilarious. I have a question for you. It's something very important, which is what is your spirit animal? Jaguar, why do you ask? 
Doing a survey. Mm. Well, survey completed, so <laughs> take her easy. Uh, you didn't ask me, but if you had, the answer I would have given is doggy. Chris, <laughs> Ann wants to ask you something right now. Go, Ann. In front of her? Yes, no more delays. Go. I want to have a baby. Will you be the sperm donor? Dum -bum -bum. The story of this situation is it's extremely personal. <laughs> wow. Take it over. Bye. <laughs> I don't think he knows what to say. Uh-uh. Well, Mark, at Leslie's table, Jerry comes out of the corner with some information that blows Leslie's mind and causes his phone to mysteriously become smashed. Yeah, it's, it's strange Weird. how there's connections yeah. like that. Yeah, Jerry tiptoes up to Leslie saying, Mary B, please, very kindly, can I have permission to leave the corner? And no, he can't have permission because she's still mad at him. But then he says, well, no, no, no. But see, I found my speech. I found my speech after it was in my shoe. It's a little moist, but sure. it, it's here. It's I mean, it's yuck, but I didn't lose it. So it wasn't him. So then now Leslie's wondering, like, how the hell? Did Kim get my speech? And she's thinking about it and she's thinking about it and including how the Pawnee son has been one step ahead of her for a month and she's thinking about it. And then it finally culminates in Leslie coming to the horrific realization that Pawnee, the Pawnee son has hacked her work email. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> and then Leslie goes to smash the cell phone, you know, so that they can't get any more data off her phone. That's how you stop hacking is you smash, smash cell the phones, thing. Yeah. Especially if it's your email. That'll stop it. Or on someone else's phone. Jerry's phone. Yeah, it is. <laughs> she did smash Jerry's phone. <laughs> That's my phone. Quiet, Jerry. This is serious. This is serious. Damn it. Well, the following morning, we learned that the police are investigating the hack and they are diligently looking for the email server. First stop, Hillary Clinton's house in Snurling. Oh, dear. Uh, that That's never going to work out. No, that won't work. Um, so, yeah, we, we are now at the next day, I think, back in City Hall. Um, and we see Ron, Chris, Donna and Jerry with Leslie in her office. And we learn the following. A, as you alluded to, Alan, Leslie has contacted the police and they will launch an investigation, but it's very complicated and it could take a month or so. B, Leslie has a press conference about the Pawnee Commons in a couple of hours, which she is now very nervous about. Mm. And then C, Leslie asked the gang to help her go through her emails like manually in an attempt to figure out what might be used against her at the press conference. I love when Ron chimes in and says, uh, you can't hack a typewriter. <laughs> He's goes, right. Can it, Unabomber? Yeah, shut up, Unabomber. <laughs> That's pretty funny. That was pretty funny. A lot of good one-liners in this one. Well, over at the foundation, Ben has asked Andy to stop by and see how he's doing, of course. And we get a new sense about Andy, along with an old one that seems to be slowly escaping due to the tightness of his pants. <laughs> that last part is not so good. No. But, but uh, yeah, this, very is, proud of it, this is interesting. I think Ben requested that Andy stop by. And uh, hey, actually, Constantine, make with the lights and sounds, sir. Play the clip. Ben, Hi. you wanted to talk to me or... Probably not. I mean, I don't even want to talk to me. No, I wanted to talk to you. Oh. I just wanted to thank you so much for your help, Andy. Sorry we didn't wind up choosing the after-school music programs. It's just... I totally get it. The music program would be effective, but the ambulance is going to help people right now who are in trouble and probably look good in the media. Yeah, that's exactly right. Mm. Your morning tea, Mr. White. Imagine all the money you could save if you didn't have to pay for this expensive stuff. Am I right? You could help like a zillion more charities. Yeah, that's... Also exactly right. Hmm. I feel like I should have thought of that. Well, let me tell you something else that's interesting, Ben. What? I farted five minutes ago. <laughs> Didn't even smell it just now. 
That's how tight my pants are. <laughs> Anyhow, later days, dudes. Uh, ben is perplexed for more than one reason. Well, yeah, you, he, you know, you wonder. Okay, am I talking to like a a, a savant? He's a savant. A smelly, smelly savant. I guess <laughs> I don't know. Savants are often like that. They they balance out their genius with you know a tight pants fart of mm. some sort. So well, maybe it, literally it in this case, their own devices, I guess. <laughs> Well, over in Leslie's office, the gang is helping look for damning emails so Leslie can control the narrative, but it is doing little to calm her nerves. Yeah, damn emails. So we're we're back at City Hall and we return to Leslie's office and we return to the gang. They're continuing to go through emails and they're trying to collect uh, any important or embarrassing uh, information. And they kind of have mixed results. Like they did find some minor stuff, but... No. Like uh, the top 10 Ben's butt 2012 slideshow? Well, look, <laughs> it's not a bad idea. Have you seen it? It's, I have a copy. It's not bad. Um, so anyway, so you know the, the, they're going over, and it's kind of mixed results. They they kind of find some minor stuff, but not only is there a lot of material to go through in a short amount of time, but Leslie also continues to get new emails as the day marches forward, and she is getting more and more and more stressed. Finally, Donna takes charge, announcing that she has an idea, and she orders everyone out of Leslie's office. Out. Yep. Well, she says every single one of her boyfriend has has tried to hack her emails. So yeah. She knows what to do. Oh, yes. All right. Well, while we wait to see what that is, we jump out to the corridor. And we get a peek at the awkward hallway encounter du jour. And this time, there's no escaping for Anne. Well, we thought maybe there would be on account of the purse, but... No, you can't hide behind a purse. No, no. <laughs> she tried. We see Anne walking down the hallway, and once again, she sees Chris walking towards her from the opposite direction, and she's somewhat alarmed, and she tries to hide her face behind the purse. Chris already sees her. doesn't work. So Chris walks up to a mortified Anne, asking her why she hasn't returned his calls, and Anne becomes painfully honest and transparent, telling Chris, look, I'm really sorry for being so weird and blunt. I didn't intend that. But also, you know what? If, if we did this... It, if the baby turned out to be anything like you, I'd be really lucky. Oh, very sweet. And this made Chris smile. Yeah. And so he considers it and he asks, Anne, can I have just a little bit of time to think it over? So this scene ends with, with Anne taking a super short dip into Ron's office where Ron is apparently playing <laughs> darts. And it goes something like this. Anne, I got to tell you, Ron, you were absolutely and totally right. Ron, I know. Stop talking and get out. Anne, yep. <laughs> she leaves. Yep. That's it. <laughs> I love it. Well, meanwhile, over at the foundation, Ben announces a few changes he wants to make and cancels his appointment for his own personal nude portrait. Well, you know, we all have to make sacrifices. Yep. Um, Leslie's going to be crushed. Yeah, totally. But, you know, there's an email <laughs> for that. Anyway, so back at the Sweetums Foundation, we see Ms. Jessica Wicks talking with Ben in Ben's fancy new office. And Ben's telling her about their choice for the Sweetums Foundation's first charity. And Jessica is excited at the charity selection, but then becomes even more excited when, yet again, food is wheeled into Ben's office. It's, it's fondue Friday, Alan. And this gives Ben the opening to tell Jessica that as president of the Sweetums Foundation, he's making a few changes. For example, he's giving up this fancy office and there will be no more visits from a masseuse and there will be no more fancy luncheons. Uh -huh. And, you know, there's there's plenty of cheap office space around. And he actually already has an idea how to use some of the money that they're going to save. Very nice. Mm -hmm. Well, Mark, over at the press conference, the jig is finally up for a certain reporter, and we get a secondhand review from Ben on Star Wars Episode One. We are back at City Hall, and we see the press conference regarding Pawnee Commons starting to start. 
is how it starts. It starts to start. And then <laughs> Leslie's at the podium, podium, and Donna's standing beside Leslie at the podium. Uh, hey, Constantine, play us out, sir. This one last clip. First, I'd like you all to check under your chairs. I think Ooh. you might be surprised and excited by what you find. It's like Oprah. Is it chocolate? Even better, it's dirt. The EPA has recently reviewed our soil samples and they determined that we achieved, and I quote, minimal acceptable standards. So, not too shabby. Uh, Councilwoman, nope. No. You've claimed construction will take 18 months, but a source tells me it will be much longer. I would, I would deny that report. I've also learned that the EPA found midi-chlorians in the soil. No. How serious is that exactly? It's mm. very serious, Kim. It's almost as serious as email hacking which is what you have been doing to me for weeks. <gasps> no one, no one gasped. I really thought you guys would gasp there. <laughs> that is a baseless accusation. Midichlorians are a fictional substance found in the blood of Jedi Knights from the movie Star Wars, episode one, The Phantom Menace, which, side note, was a terrible movie and almost destroyed the franchise, yep. according to my husband, but that is neither here nor there. Nope. The point is, I sent Councilwoman Nope the fake email about the EPA finding midichlorians an hour ago, as a trap, into which you have fallen. Well, <laughs> I have never seen Star Wars because I was too busy hooking up with guys, unlike you losers. Uh -oh. <laughs> oh, you wanna compare numbers, Terlando? Get to stepping. I would just like to point out that Kim Turlando stole all of my jokes for the Pawnee Correspondence Lunch, and they were great jokes. Yep. So I spent the whole night writing new ones. Lucky for you, let's get started. I'm very excited to be here. You know who else is excited to be here? Nev Campbell. What a great party of five. All right, thank you guys. It's like Memorex. That, that's perfect. That was perfect. Yeah, now we know what Nev Campbell sounds like. Well, and Leslie brought a whole new can of whoop-ass. Oh, I wonder goodness. who she's going to open it on. Kim's already left the room. She must have gotten like a 24-pack. <laughs> I like it. Well, Mark, finally in the kicker, Ben has a perfectly suited proposition for Andy. Now Andy just needs to realize it's for him. Yeah, for an idea, man, he's kind of... <laughs> yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so at City Hall, they're outside in the courtyard, and we see uh, Ben sitting at the table with Andy, and he's explaining that he could use someone at the foundation as a part-time assistant, but also an idea man. Mm. And Andy doesn't really get the picture, uh, uh, thinking maybe Ben is talking about Tom or even that, that random dude that's sitting over there <laughs> in the, the courtyard. Before Ben makes it clear, no, I'm talking about you, Andy. Apparently, Ben thinks Andy has a knack for this line of work and asks Andy to come work for him. And Andy responds by slowly getting up, slowly walking over to Ben, and giving him a giant but surprisingly tender bear hug. Fade to black. I love it. Yeah. What a nice way to end the episode. Yeah, it was nice. Well, Mark, hey, let's do this. Uh, let's take a quick break. I'll give you a big bear hug, and oh. then we'll come back and talk about our scores. Oh, I love this. All right. We'll be right back, everybody. Yay. Are you a member of a group that needs a place to meet with accommodations for anywhere from 20 to 200 people? Would you like to be able to utilize a room named after a Pawnee celebrity, such as the Calamezzo Ballroom or Happily Hall? If so, then the Pawnee Super Suites Hotel slash Motel may be just what you need. Hello, this is Ron Swanson. Located at 380 Drexel Avenue in Greater Pawnee, the Pawnee Super Suites provides reasonably priced accommodations with free, over-the-air, broadcast television, and beautiful views of Eastern Drexel Avenue. 
If you've been to the Super Sweets before, don't let that stop you. I will now read an official prepared statement from the newest management team. Quote, For our overnight hotel and motel guests, we are happy to report that many of our exterior room doors can now, in fact, be successfully locked for privacy. Our cleaning staff may not be the friendliest, per se, but they almost always do their appointed job. Our pool now features such improvements as chlorine and security cameras, as required by law. Be sure to make use of our famous and wonderfully random wake-up calls. You never know who's going to call or when. For our corporate and conference clients, our meeting and banquet rooms have recently been upgraded with the most luxurious seating that $8 per chair could buy from Larry's Chair Emporium. Enjoy presentations from semi-famous regional celebrities over our almost state-of-the-art AV equipment in plush meeting rooms with delightfully unstable temperatures. Finally, enjoy eclectic cuisines from such exotic locales as Brazil, Indiana, Portland, Indiana, Alexandria, Indiana, and Lebanon, Indiana. With accoutrements like these, the Pawnee Super Suites has firmly established itself as a viable choice when you just need someplace good enough. End quote. Be sure to tell them Ron sent you, and receive a free 13-ounce spray can of Bed Bugs Be Gone at check-in to use at your leisure, and for no other reasons. Thank you. That is all. All right, everybody, we're back. Well, Mark, as I usually do, I'll cover deleted scenes briefly since we have some this week. We had roughly five minutes and 40 seconds, which sounds like maybe it's quite a, you know, packed with deleted scenes. Mm -hmm. Not really. There were only six. One of them's just really, really long. <laughs> Did you notice that? Are you talking about the first one? Where yeah, they the play the game One Word Story. Yeah. If you've ever been to church camp or, you know, maybe been in an improv group. I know you were in an improv group. Did you uh, guys ever play this game? Yes, and uh, we did play this game. Okay. Yes. Well, there you go. So they're playing the one-word story, and it goes on for quite – it's like maybe almost two minutes long. They're not real minutes. good at it. They're not great at it. No. Ron Ron is very awkward at it and starts saying ass at all the wrong times, and then when he's supposed to say ass, he says America. <laughs> so that was, it made me laugh. I will say that, but it's a long bit for a small payoff. It's – it was a slow burn. Yeah. And, and then the, the the best one, though, is well, because Leslie would try to start him out and say, Kim Terlando. Yeah. And like, is. Like, so the, yeah. the, the final joke that just slayed me because it's so stupid yeah. was <laughs> Kim Terlando eats so many potatoes that Ron <laughs> thinks she is Potato America. <laughs> 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 I had to pause it. I was laughing that hard. Like, this is ridiculous. I love it. I, and I get why it took that long to get there because of the nature of the game. But it's what made it, you know, if you're going to cut down to 21 minutes, that just had to go. No, it was the right choice to cut out. It was. I love the slow burn. Yeah. That killed me. Yeah. If you've got the DVDs, check it out. But yes. there were like three or four others. And I, none of them for me. I mean, I actually did like Martin Housley. Um, doing some of his impressions, yeah, which he's not okay. bad at. But beyond that, I think most of them were, you know, the right scenes to cut this week. Yeah, he's a hack, but whatever. He's fine. <laughs> well, tell him he said so. <laughs> All 
All right, Mark, well, why don't we move into our first tropes, fun facts, and goofs? Uh, well, let's start off with the firsts first. All right, all right. That's usually my That's line. That's what we want to do. Yeah, yeah. that's what we want to do. Yeah. That. Um, you're, you have lately been putting me to shame with no. your, your, your aggregation of the list of firsts. So Phoned I, it in this week. Well, it's two of us then. So what I, what I got is I got three. <laughs> which are not great. Yeah. Actually, one is decent. And okay. you, you had mentioned this I'll in the, the very of beginning of the show. Oh, but it is good. <laughs> that, yeah. This is the first time that Nick Offerman ever had the role of director. Yeah. Um, so let's linger on that because that's really my only good one. My other two are Ben starts his job as president of the Sweetums Foundation. Okay, yeah. And Anne tells Chris she'd like some she'd like him to be her baby daddy. Oh, those, those are good yeah. and true. Yeah, and yeah. so take that. What you got? I I said the Sweetums one slightly different. I just say it's the first time we see the Sweetums Foundation because it was a alert alert. Yeah, go on. It was alert. Shut. <laughs> because it was alluded to in a previous episode, but we didn't actually see it. It was just a concept at that point. Is that right? Did they did they allude to it? I couldn't remember. Well, remember Jessica offered him the job. Yes. This is day one at the well job. Well done, Alan. Yeah. You are correct. So yeah, I mean, and it's a beautiful mahogany monster monstrosity of a building and office. And I take back half the stuff I've said about you. That yeah. that's you're right. Yeah. Yep. And I said this is the first time that Jerry is redeemed. I can't remember another time, and maybe you will, or maybe one of our viewers at home will, but Jerry, of course, you know, PBJ gets, right, right. gets blamed for the script, and we all think, well, that makes sense. Yeah, of course, it's, it's Jerry. Jerry. Yeah. But later, finds the sweaty copy in his shoe, right? and it turned out, obviously, she was hacked, and that's how the thing happened. I couldn't remember another PBJ, uh, another punch to Jerry that they had to pull back on later because it wasn't something he really did. I think that you're I think that you're right. I think that sometimes PBJ can happen for no reason yeah, at all. Yeah, those are funny. Sometimes, and and then yeah. you can't pull those back because nah. there's nothing to to right. to correct. Yeah. But yeah, I think that that's a great point. This what they originally PBJ'd him on was no longer yeah. found to be true. Yeah. Yep. And, and often he deserves it too in addition yeah. to the ones he doesn't. So. Yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah. Well, Mark, uh, how about tropes? I, I've got a few. I'm sure you do as well. I do. I did well with the tropes. Good. I got a PBJ, as yep. we just said, yes. Jerry standing in the corner without dessert. Oh, my gosh. I love it. I His love phone it. getting smashed. All that's great <laughs> stuff. Um, overprepared Leslie. Oh, yeah. Creating her own physical can of whoopa. Actually, several. You must have had 24 pack. Yeah. And then the surgeon's general warning that oh, she like gosh. literally had on, her, on her thing yeah. there. Um, LAC, Leslie Ann compliments. Oh, yeah. Anne, you're so beautiful. You don't have to be funny. Unless the rest of you ugly nerds. Um, uh, SSA, sweet, stupid Andy. Uh, I love what he's he's giving his uh, his uh, pitch for the charity. He's like, uh, I fell in a sewer grate once. I was there all day. In conclusion, we cannot let our children live in the sewer any longer. <laughs> I love that. Uh, CMIO, Councilman Milton is old. And, and all jokes that derive from that uh, yeah. fact. It's a good one. So, I rode here in a horse and buggy. No, that wasn't a joke. Um, I don't know if we've done this before, but I'd say this is a trope. Uh, S SFR, straightforward Ron. He doesn't beat around the bush. He okay. just like goes straight at it, hundred miles that an is hour. Ron. Um, uh, RHG, another Ron one. Ron hates the government. Nice. Um, MTC mugs to the camera. We got Chris, Tom, Ben, and, and I think that that maybe. It or I don't know. I think there's a very slight Ron one. Really? Yeah, where he just kind of looks at the camera awkwardly, and I maybe it was in that deleted scene though. I can't remember. Oh, that sure. could be. Yeah. And then I had I had 
so that's MTC. Then I had yep. CRMTC, which Over. is Chris really mugs to the camera because he's been doing it a lot lately yeah. and he's getting really good at yeah. it. Like his are some his of my favorites. Good, yeah. yeah. Um, OMG, we actually have the return of Tom's open mouth grin oh, yeah. when he receives the gift in the cold open. Yeah. It's been a while since we had one of those. Uh, Fun with names, Kim Turlando, yeah. which is almost like it's Orlando, Florida, but it's not. Yeah. Um, uh, and the, the the tweep, I know that's an old one, but Shauna Malway sure. tweep is just always a fun name. Uh, and then I had one I was so excited about, Darth Vader syndrome, as applies to Donna when she like forced Turlando <laughs> to flee out of the room. Yeah, you have to remind us what Darth Vader. Well, yeah, syndrome Alan, is. for our viewers at home who don't realize, the Darth Vader syndrome is is defined as the satisfaction of seeing someone who's been scaring the pants off you go after another mutual enemy. Now, in this case, it's a little bit of an ex- extension, you I know. Think it but works. Donna is known for. She does well. Yeah. And so for Turlando to like call them losers on account of that, you know, she hooks up with guys. Yeah. Oh, you just yeah. opened the floodgates. It's all like Donkey yeah. Kong. Oh, yeah. you really, you want to compare numbers? You, you bring it. You, you get out of here is what you do. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, how about you? I had a couple others that maybe um, I had Leslie geeks out. I thought that was true in this particular case. And she does every once in a while. And it's mostly in the cold open where she's so excited to go to another city. Home. Oh, Right? Yeah, I mean, it's so Leslie that you almost don't think about it. But there have been other moments like April that where only actually, Leslie could appreciate it. April is actually big and fun. Oh We're like, God. oh, my God, did you see the the, the Hawaii, the Hawaii uh, City Hall? Yes, but it was closed. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's terrible. Like she gives two Fs. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, I have Sweetums is corrupt. Yeah. Because, you know, yeah. it's all a tax write-off. Yeah, that's yeah. a good one. Uh, and gets too chummy. That, the scene you described is the best one where she walks in. She feels like she's got rapport with Ron again. Yep. She sits down to talk to him on his bench under the dartboard. Yes, you are correct. Get out. Get out. Yes. <laughs> and then um, awkward hallway moments with Ann and Chris. Oh, that's been a trope before. Yeah, you're right. So you're I thought right. those were worth mentioning this week. Yep. Well done. Yeah. Nice job. Any goofs? None. There were several on the internet, and um, I, I, I did not get a chance to check one of them out. I did check the other one out and proved it, and then I came up with one of my own. So here we go. Okay. So the first one was apparently when Ron and Ann are talking uh, to Chris and Purd, Purd's cake on his plate changes from having a bite already out of it to not. So mm. there's a little continuity here. Okay. You see those a lot. Um, then during the correspondence launch, the set, the ceiling of the, the set actually – they break the fourth wall or the fifth wall in this case, perhaps. Hmm. And you actually see the set lighting. Oh, if you, if you, and I didn't get the second one. I did get the first go to five minutes, 28 seconds, freeze frame. You'll see it very obvious. That's interesting. And so it's a super wide shot. Martin's just told a joke. They pan out wide. It's only for maybe 1.2 seconds. Then they come back in, but you see the set. Certainly not enough to affect your enjoyment of the episode, no, but just and, interesting to note. And I, I think I saw it, but not consciously. And then when I read it, I'm like, oh yeah, I did see that. Yeah. And I went and found it. Hmm. The only one, the one I picked out, this is totally nerdy, speaking of nerdy. Oh, good. Um, I know you love it when I do this. Yeah. So ficus is, Mark. Uh-huh. Ficus, oh, tell me about it. Ron should have said other things about ficus, including what I'm about to say. Oh, I can't wait. They cannot survive outside of zones nine through 11, and we are in zone six. Oh. So pretty How about- much from Tennessee Southern, you can plant ficuses outside. For us, they got to be houseplants. So uh, what does it say about front yard versus backyard? <laughs> it says neither of them is going to get you pregnant. Well, 
with them, the ficus. Them, them's the brakes, Perkins. <laughs> you heard it here first. All right. Oh boy. Well, let's move on, Mark. Please. How about our scores? Let's get into our scores. Yeah, and no, no fun facts. Uh, you know what? I did not have any fun facts. I went right past those. Did you have any? No, nor no fun, no facts. Got neither. Yeah, let's do our scores. Well, let's do the scores. All right. All right. Um, well, Alan, uh, I did. I went co-MVPs this time. Uh, my co-MVPs are Amy Poehler as Leslie Nope and Retta as Donna Meagle. Oh, I like that one. Yeah. So uh, I thought Leslie's storyline of the three, I guess in our parlance, we call that the A story. Well, I know you did four. Whatever. You're wrong. Uh, but <laughs> I thought Leslie's storyline was my favorite. Okay. And, and I really thought it gave Amy Poehler a good platform to kind of embrace the manic, uh, overprepared uh, Leslie that we've grown to know and love. And I wouldn't say that she served as the glue for all the storylines. I thought she did for the A story. I thought that she did a really good job of, of keeping the momentum up, etc. Donna impressed me by rising above her, what I would call her standard uh, baseline, which is sometimes fairly low, not due to any fault of Retta's, but often because because the writing kind of has her more as a background player, I think. But here, not only did Donna come up with the idea that finally allowed Leslie to claim victory, sort of, she also made Turlando flee the room at the notion of comparing numbers with Donna. Absolutely loved it. Hashtag yeah. Darth Vader syndrome. Yep. Um this, you know, Alan, it's funny. This actually reminded me a little bit of season three, episode eight, Camping, which, as our loyal podcast viewers at home might recall, followed the fantastic episode Harvest Festival. Yes, it did. Which was so huge and so awesome yep. that we had to split our coverage of it. Nearly got a 10. It's, it's quarter, quarter yeah, point. It's away. 9. 5, yeah, 9.75. Don't talk about Parking space. Okay. So we had to split our coverage of it into two parts. Anyway, so this episode that we just did, the correspondence lunch and camping, both followed very big, very good episodes. Tough to follow. That, that in their own yeah. way could have been potential stand-ins as series finales. Like they were that... That's fair. Good. Yeah. Um, and they're so, both mid-seasoners, as a matter of fact. And they're both mid-seasoners. That's exactly yeah. right. It's only natural to have a little bit of a letdown when having such tough acts to follow. And this was no exception. So, I mean, uh, there is no way that Correspondence Lunch was going to live up to Leslie and Ben, the, the, the feel-good, romantic, almost finale wedding episode of the century, blah, blah, blah. Having said that, I got to say, at the end of this episode, I was still feeling pretty good about Parks and Rec, like as a series. I came out of it feeling decent. This episode in many ways could be considered kind of a mid-season premiere, as could camping back then. Because like you said, it was right in the middle of the season, right? Like this episode, we had several members of the Pawnee gang kind of maneuvered into new stories and new situations. And I kind of like that. I also kind of like that they didn't dwell on Leslie and Ben now being married. Like, yeah, they, they tipped their hat to it in the cold open as well they should. But sure. I mean... Why gild the lily? Yeah. Leave yeah. perfection alone and move on. And that's exactly what they did. Parks and Rec was brought to a delightful boil with Leslie and Ben. And now the writers decide to bring it back down to a simmer to let us catch our breath. Interesting. Okay. I like it. So having said that, there was, and I think you and I have alluded to this as we were reviewing the uh, the episode, Alan, there was a rather long list of enjoyable jokes and moments like, you know, Leslie's weird fixation on Nev Campbell, Leslie banishing Jerry to the corner without dessert, followed by, did you see Jerry demonstrating almost a sweet amount of loyalty to Leslie by steadfastly, mm. steadfastly refusing dessert while standing in the corner? I love that. It's almost like he's saying, no, I know the rules. I'm not allowed. <laughs> um, April's mysterious volcano box, 
the wood carving Love of it. Ron. I mean, yeah, the God of Anger. Um, <laughs> April and Andy making the secret silent plan to grab Leslie's not fertility tea <laughs> from the trash can. Um, Leslie opening a can of whoop ass on herself. Purred happily spirit animal being doggy. Um, <laughs> Andy's slow realization in the kicker that Ben's probably not talking about the other weird guy in the courtyard, but about him instead. Donna trapping Torlando with fake reports of midichlorians in the soil. Take that, that Phantom Menace. Yep. And the list goes on and on, but I won't. So a couple small nitpicks, I suppose. I got to tell you, Alan, maybe this is just me. Anne's I Want a Baby storyline, it still feels a bit forced. And maybe it shouldn't. Maybe that's just mm. I'm being stubborn. But like if, if you buy into the concept as it was originally presented, nothing in this episode was wrong or feels out yeah. of line. It just, I think, is still so relatively jarring to me when it first came up. I haven't fully recovered from that. Okay. Still got some whiplash. I guess. Right. I mean, it's not horrible. It's just still, I'm like, oh yeah, that's still happening, but it's fine. Okay. Um, the other thing I would say, and and you talked about this uh, in the very beginning of our coverage here, Alan, is that when this episode first aired, it aired as the second episode in a Thursday double feature yeah. on, on uh, was it February 21st, that's I think, correct. 2013, yep. Yep. with the first episode being, of course, Leslie and Ben. Yeah. From a pairing perspective, I really wish that they could have put Leslie and Ben as the second episode in Not, a pairing with yeah, emergency totally response. Yep. And that feels far more like thematically uh, in totally tune with agree. each other. Plus, that would have made it less awkward of a transition from potential finale episode to mid-season premiere episode. I mean, not that it is horrible. It's just I think that would have been better. Plus, if you're normally setting the stage to build up to the office, right, your premiere show at 9 p.m., put your better Parks and Rec episode in its spot. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I think yeah. that's a great observation. I, I, I don't think that made me enjoy this episode less, less, but in a, in a meta sense, I thought that's an odd choice. If we'd watched it in real time, I bet and thought through this, that would have been a lot pretty interesting to think about the time I, anyway. I would be curious what Mike sure would have to say about that, like whatever yeah. decisions were going on, because I'm sure we're not the only ones to, to think that. I'm sure maybe it just didn't work out in their episode order. That, right? That's possible. Yeah. So anyway, blah, 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 Mark Rubrik. Here we go. All right. All right. Uh, I'm going to give this sucker a four base score. I thought that all three storylines had decent, enjoyable plots. I all four. All four. <laughs> I thought that the A story by far and away was my favorite and, and the best and the others were okay. Uh, not the best the show's ever done, but I didn't think any of them like drug on and like got slow. So, I mean, it was a decent showing. Yeah. So four points for that. I'm going to give a half point for my episode co-MVP, Amy Poehler. Great job. Another half point for co-MVP, Retta. Great job. Um, I'm going to give half point for what I thought was actually a good use of the deep comedic bench. I got to give, give some props there. I'm also going to give, believe it or not, an entire point for a great list of the guest stars. You got Susan Yeagley as Jessica Wicks. You got yep. the great Mo Collins as Joan Calamezzo. You have um, the sweet Allison Becker as Shauna Malway Tweep. You have James Green as the venerable Councilman Milton. You have Jim Meskimen as Martin Housley. Jamie Denbo as Kim Turlando. Ugh. I mean, great job making us hate you. Yeah, that's um, right. And then, you know, last but certainly not least, Jay Jackson as Pert Happily. Uh, <laughs> I felt like all these guest stars really helped to make Pony come to life, like a live action Springfield, we've said in the past. And then, quite frankly, it makes good use of the comedic bench even more impressive, given that we had all these guest stars. That. Yeah. I agree with that. 
I'm going to give half a point for what I call the Ron Ann combo, the wonderfully awkward but somewhat effective pairing of Ann with Ron, giving them both platforms for levity and ridiculousness. That's good. I'm going to give half a point for what I call the bookend combo. I've used this before. I thought it was a fantastic cold open with Leslie and Ben giving gifts to the gang. Plus, it was a deceptively sweet kicker, which nicely wrapped up the, uh, for me, it was the C story and and gave Ben a really sweet moment with Andy. Like that was actually very touching. Um, I'm going to give half a point for what I call the new direction combo. Seeing the start of some interesting new storylines, such as concentrating on bringing the Pawnee Commons to life uh, and Ben starting a new job that will allow him to put his talents to good use with Sweetums. um, I like that. Uh, once again, it's like the mid-season uh, premiere. Yeah. Um, and then I'm going to give one more half point for what I call the joke slash moment combo. And you and I have kind of alluded to this a little bit throughout our whole thing. The sheer amount of of like individual jokes and moments that just just hit made for me it made this episode somewhat greater than the sum of its parts. Mm. So half point for that. So you add up all the crazy points in the Mark rubric and you come up with 8.5 uh, Little Sebastians. Good, solid episode. I mean, it's it's not a 10 like last week's episode, but I'll tell you something, Alan. If the movie The Incredibles has taught me anything, it would be that if everybody is incredible, no then one. no one is incredible. So saith the wisdom of syndrome. Yeah. Wow. So, and by extension, if every episode is a 10, then no episode is a 10 or something like, okay. <laughs> Whatever, so that, yeah. that, that part sounded better in my head. So yeah. Anyway, final score, 8.5 little Sebastians, not a 10, but you know what? I'm okay with that. Still a good episode. Rock the scuba uh, uh, review done back to you. Uh, green light go. Oh my God. Okay. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> nice job. <laughs> I'll, um, I'll start off with my episode MVP. So I liked yours. Uh, great selections. I went in a slightly different direction. I said that my MVPs for this week, co-MVPs, were Andy and Ann. So kind of uh, reminiscent of uh, you know the couple that was first season, but for a totally different reason here. So, mm. so I, I felt like Andy's portrayal of someone who's in a deep funk because of a big life disappointment was funny yet poignant but also realistic mm. and, but not disrespectful. So I, I like that. that. I thought yeah. that was good. And that's obviously, you know, a tip of the hat to the writers as well, but I felt like Chris Pratt really pulled it off. And then, Anne, on the other hand, I think I am past the shock. Like I agree with you at the first week I had real trouble with the, where'd that come from? I'm glad your whiplash is healed. My whiplash is over though. So I, I, I was fully into this logical step where she's kind of identified that this answer may be right here in front of her. And of Mm -hmm. course, you know, we know it has other implications down the road, but at the same time, at this point, the way we should be feeling about it, I thought it was a sweet exchange where she kind of compliments Chris and says why he thinks she's such a good specimen. Sorry, wrong word. Yeah. yeah. Um, You know, and and that was another one of those jokes that was funny. Um, But I thought that, that, you know, that she did a good job kind of representing the, the manicness, I guess, um, that would go along with trying to get that right, get the right person, get it timed right, and the awkwardness of, of having to ask that person that you know, not a stranger in a catalog, to do this for you. So, it definitely went into to very interesting and slightly odd territory. Like you, you could kind of get why it would be easier to ask him if he wasn't involved with anybody and yet what she's asking him to do doesn't really mean like 
Yeah. Will you date me? Right. So it's like this weird middle ground. It is. And and they've had a relationship in the past. And, and, you know, in some ways, I mean, he's not her boss directly, but, you know, he's not, he's in the leadership structure of the place she works. So there's several elements of that that could make it even more awkward than they really even played to, honestly. Is that true? Is Chris not her boss? Maybe he's I, I not. think he probably is up the chain, not her direct manager, but no. yeah, that her boss's boss or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Something right. like that. I'm certain. Yeah. But anyway, um, well, Mark, they can't all be tense, right? No. And I feel like, like you said, I thought it was a good example of the illustration of the episode that followed, um, you know, some of our big peaks in the series so far, uh, especially the one that followed Harvest Fest, which was camping. Camping. Um, here, I feel like sometimes they, they know they're going to have this and they they plan for the episode to be good enough. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was done by design here. And I guarantee you the energy that went into hitting that peak the week before, they all took a big sigh and a breath, kind of like, you know, and then we get an episode like this, which not is a not a bad episode in any means, but it's not the 10 episode. It brought the boil down to a simmer. It brought the boil down to a simmer. I like that. I also thought it was interesting, too, and I hadn't considered what you said about, you know, they're kind of introducing this next phase, right? Like, now the wedding's behind us. They're they're married, and now let's move on to what's next for all these kids, right? Yeah. Um, and they did that as part two of a two-parter. So they had the peak, and then they now they got the valley half right. an hour later, and then they're going to take three weeks off. Boy, would it have been better to do exactly what you said, have emergency response, you know, at the, the 830 yeah. slot and then this at nine o'clock. Yeah. But, you know, again, we don't get to control the NBC schedule or, or the titles of these shows for that. I mean, that's why we have AKAs, Mark. Well, and it's not so much of a, of a kick in the face for us as we're reviewing these individually at our at our leisure. That's correct. You know. Ten years later. Ten years later. But at the time, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think that would have been really awkward. And, you know, who knows? I mean, maybe if you weren't a Parks and Rec fan and you turned in to see The Office and this was on and you were going to turn the dial anyway, mm-hmm. why throw away a good episode? Yeah. So maybe that's kind of the counterbalance of that argument or that question. I guess. Use, use the momentum. Yeah. I don't know. Let's ask Mike Sure if we ever get a chance to talk I about agree. it. I like that idea. Um, I thought, you know, Leslie's over-preparedness kind of causing Kim to be able to steal her thunder was interesting. Like, that's an interesting way to look at it. Yes, it was in character for Leslie to have 13 of these scripts, you know. And when we think at that point that it's Jerry, it makes sense. You know, it's kind of, you know, her fault for not controlling the media a little better. But of course, that's not what really happened. But I just mm-hmm. thought it was an interesting plot way to write that plot because it, if even if they'd left it that way, it would have made sense. Yeah, um, I did think that this episode had great bench time uh, across the board for the guest stars and Donna and Jerry, which they don't often do very well. Um, but I thought it took on too many storylines and really stole the opportunity to be a much more solid and funnier episode than it turned out to be. I, I what I think one of my things is I said this the sheer amount of individual jokes and moments make this episode greater than the sum of its parts. Yeah, I, and I think that's true because I think if again it kind of goes back to the way we review these episodes and there's that critical lens versus mm. the you know how did it make me feel lens. And right. I, I think your eight and a half is a how it made you feel. Yes, it definitely is. I think I I came this week with the structural how I reviewed the episode and I did not score it as high as you. I gave it eight little Sebastians, which is still an excellent score in parks and rec land, but, uh, and especially compared to other shows as we've talked about many times, but you know, again, 
they can't all be tens. And it's we know that they need to take a breath and kind of now be ready for the rest of the season. So I feel like they did that here a little bit thematically and in terms of maybe how hard they worked to make this script really work. Again, easy for me to say 10 years later, but that's the way I'm looking at it. I did think that there was, again, some of the funny, the individual pieces, the, the can of whoop ass, the Surgeon General <laughs> warning, those are funny. Even Leslie's jokes that she prepared and had stolen were good. Yeah. Um, thought it was very interesting. And ironically, uh, you know, that you've got f- fully prepared Leslie being bad at improv. Mm-hmm. And it made me think, I know Amy's very good at improv. Mm-hmm. So I wonder, is she very prepared in real life? Like that that parallel with her character, you know? Mm. It kind of implies that you can't, those two things are mutually exclusive and maybe they aren't. But I'm just curious about that. So Interesting uh, point. let's call Amy and ask her. Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> and then uh, again, the A story by far was the funniest. I felt like the other storylines were good, but mm-hmm. not great. And I just felt like in lots of places there, especially the comedy was missing at times. And again, it's hard to have poignancy and comedy fully in balance, but they did have some of those nice touching moments, but I think they, they lost on the haha a little bit in doing so. Yeah. I, I think that that's probably true. Um, you know, we, we had mentioned it's, it's always hard to, to follow a, a, a big, uh, episode and this was yep. certainly no exception. I almost gave this an eight, and I I completely agree with you. I think I eked out an eight point five just because I, I'm I'm still on a Parks and Rec high, and maybe yeah. that's unfair of me to 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 rate it like that. Maybe yeah. I should go more by the technical, but meh. I, I, I'm with we you. We both flip flopped on that kind of depending <laughs> on the mood and how many times we watched it in our preparation. Right. So anyway, I think any, anytime you look at it anywhere in that score range, you're probably right. If you disagree with this and you're just clearly wrong. I mean, that would be like what a, a two and a half men, 15. Dear God. <laughs> <laughs> One of these days I'm going to get in trouble. I just know it. I'm going to get a nasty gram from Charlie Sheen. So, um, Have you ever seen Tiger's Blood? <laughs> I almost laughed like a friend of ours there for a second. <laughs> God. Anyway, next time we'll be back with Season 5, Episode 16, Bailout. Bailout. Which uh, features uh, one of the great guest actors of our time, Jason Schwartzman. Yep. Yeah. So yep. interesting to see what what they do with him and with that storyline. And uh, looking forward to that episode. If I'm not mistaken, he, uh, Mr. Schwartzman, uh, plays uh, one of the the members of the extensive uh, Lurpus dynasty. He does. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that episode, Mark. Me too. All right. Well, thanks for listening again this week. We really appreciate all of you at home. Hello and hi, and thank you to all of our new listeners. If you like the podcast, go on Apple Podcasts and rank and review us. Rank and review us? Yeah, rank Rate and, review, and us. review us. Whatever it takes, Bob. Do either of those are things. Yeah. We would really appreciate it, and we look forward to seeing you next time. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompony.com for more details or to contact us. Well, over at the foundation, Ben has asked Andy to stop by and see how he's doing. And we get a new sense that Andy's... Oh, who writes this dribble? <laughs> oh, I see what I was going for. Okay, that's funny. It's writing. <laughs> <laughs> it's not sayable what I wrote. <laughs> <laughs>
I mean, not really. Can you say it in Dothraki? I can. And Klingon. <laughs> All right, here we go. All right. 